Good morning, Four Oaks. Pastor Paul here, Tuesday, October 25th. So glad you have jumped in here for Romans Rewind. This is where we retrace our steps from the previous Sunday, where we have been in a section of scripture in the book of Romans. And of course, we are now in Romans 14, where Paul is talking about matters of opinion or disputed matters, or as the reformers called it, adiophora, meaning matters indifferent. Issues that impact us as Christians that are not core central truths of the gospel, that are not matters of orthodoxy or heresy, more issues of practice and how we as Christians faithfully carry out the commands of God in our own conscience before the Lord. And the two things that Paul has been zeroing in here in, on, on, in Romans 14 are Sabbath days and um, what foods to eat in order to honor the Lord. So let me read the first part of this passage just to kind of get us in the flow, and we'll jump in. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And yesterday we spent uh, the bulk of our time talking about this idea of the Sabbath or Sabbath days. There were those... Jewish Christians who had been converted from Judaism, who still followed a liturgical calendar of feast days, holy days, eating practices, and such. And they are somewhat shocked that their Gentile Christian friends are not doing the same. And here Paul makes it very clear, it's, it's fine to, to honor those feast days. It's, it's fine to honor those Sabbaths, but... Um, it's a matter of adiaphora. It's a matter of, um, of practice of conscience. And so let each one do what he, by faith, thinks is right in his own eyes before the Lord, not condemning the other, not disdaining the other. And so we, we kind of spelled this out yesterday, talking about how does this apply to the Sabbath and, and reasons why we might want to give for understanding the Sabbath principle being fulfilled in Christ and believers having much more freedom around that practice. Well, we got some questions um, in response to this, and I, I want to I go back to this because what I really want to do today is more maybe give you a more robust defense of a Sabbatarian view of these issues and try to delineate how this relates to what Paul is saying and, and how we might still be called to keep the Sabbath as Christians. So, so here, here's a theological question and a, and a practical question. Um, the, the theological question here is, if Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath, and we know that Jesus, and we, we can most certainly say that, right? He is our Sabbath rest, um, that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Well, what about the other nine commandments? Why don't we not observe those in the same way um, if Jesus has fulfilled the law? 
And, and so, so that, that's one question, and it's a great question. Why are we singling the Sabbath out for a different sort of application? And number two, if you do take a more robust view of the Sabbath, does that mean you should really start thinking through a whole host of things, such as, should I even go out to eat lunch or dinner on a Sunday because this is leading people to work and I'm supporting that business and I'm not setting a good example and I'm creating an expectation where people are going to serve me? Is this kind of rowing against the current? So, so the, 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 the first part of this answer is, yes, strict Sabbatarians very much have thought through these issues um, to the minutia oftentimes um, and do have strong convictions about things like cooking on the Sabbath or going out to eat on the Sabbath or shopping on the Sabbath, again, because it promotes commercialism and, and those sorts of things in commerce. Um, they would also point to the fact, and this is where I really want us to drill down today, this morning, that they would say, yes, Jesus fulfills the Sabbath, he fulfills all the law, but yet, because the Sabbath is a part of the moral law, the Ten Commandments, that remains in vogue. That remains um, part of the call to holiness as the people of God. So in other words, there's three parts of the law Okay, in the Old Testament. There is what we call the civil law, which governed people's relationships and society with the government. There were ceremonial laws, which governed relationships with the priests and the sacrifices. And then there is what we would call the moral law, which is comprised largely in the Ten Commandments, which Jesus said could be boiled down to love the Lord with your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what the Reformers would say, because they held a very strict Sabbatarian view, okay, is that, and their descendants, okay, particularly the Presbyterians and others, that when Jesus fulfilled the law, he, as he did that, that doesn't exempt us from obeying his moral law. And because we still see the Sabbath, to honor the Sabbath day, to keep it holy in the Ten Commandments, it's still um, in play for us. It's still binding for us as Christians. Now, they would say that um, the Lord's Day has replaced the Jewish Sabbath. It's now the first day of the week. But we need to have a principle and a practice of rest, of abstaining from work, of committing ourselves to worship. Now, understanding this, the Westminster Confession of Faith, when it talks about these things, it doesn't treat the Sabbath day in isolation or the Sabbath principle in isolation from a whole framework of what the Lord's day is to be. And so they spend a lot of time in Article 21 talking about religious worship. What is proper worship? How should it be done? What are the proper elements? Uh, the regulative principle, meaning we don't do anything worship that's in worship that's not um, explicitly prescribed in Scripture. Um, and then it's as a part of that, they then talk about, as you're committing yourself wholly to the Lord on this day, um, here are the things that you should and should not do. So I'll read this, and I read it from yesterday. This Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord. When men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe and holy rest all the day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. 
But I remember one of my seminary professors, we were over there having lunch at his house one day, and we knew they were getting ready to move and move, move out of their house. And I, I, for some reason, just wasn't thinking. And, and I knew that the weekend he was talking about moving was, was Sunday was a part of that. And I said, well, Dr. So-and-so, are you, are you going to be moving on, on Sunday? And it was like, it was like, Oh, you must be kidding me. Of course not. It was such a protected day. Um, it didn't matter what else was going on in life. They weren't going to bend to it, whether it was travel, vacation, um, attending church, uh, working, all of those things were sort of comprised as part of their Sabbath keeping. Now for them, it was also a rich time of worship and having people over and, and all of those sorts of things. Um, two things that come out of that. No, number one, let me just say this, um, well, let me, let, me, let me do that one second. First, let me say that when we consider how does this jive, that view of a strict Sabbath-keeping jive with what Paul is saying here, what Paul says in Colossians 2, the, the Sabbatarian response would be to say, Paul is not speaking of the Sabbath strictly here, okay? That, in fact, he doesn't even mention the word Sabbath, Okay, what does he say? Go back to verse five. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days as alike. Okay, got that in your mind? Now flip over to Colossians chapter two. And we read this one on Sunday as well. Um, we said, and I'm going to find verse, here we go. Verse 16 of chapter two. Therefore, let no one pass a judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. So what they would say is that what Paul is speaking of here is not honoring the Lord's day and the Sabbath day as we understand it in the Ten Commandments. It's all of these other days. Because remember, there were different kinds of sabbatical days, or sa I'm sorry, Sabbath days in the Old Testament. There were festivals and jubilees and, and feasts and special days and ceremonies and times. And what they say is that that's what Paul's referring to here. He's not abrogating the Sabbath in its entirety, okay? He's, he's saying all the accoutrements of um, Sabbath keeping that were in the Old Testament, those have been abolished and done away with. But because it's still in the law, it's still in the Ten Commandments, we need to honor the Sabbath um, in much stricter sorts of ways, okay? Now, let me just say that the reason I believe it is a it is a matter of adiaphora, okay, is because I do think that's that is a possible interpretation. I don't think that's necessarily a wrong interpretation. What I think is wrong, quote unquote, is mandating that sort of practice for all Christians or teaching that all Christians that if they do not do this practice then they are in sin. Because I would say if this was such a clear, explicit thing in the New Testament, we wouldn't be having so much debate over it. But at the same time, I think it's not an unwise principle. I don't think it's an unwise practice. I don't think people are being, being silly by doing it. If you want to, 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 to pinpoint and say, why is there so much burnout culturally, societally, in the workforce, in the church, we have lost the Sabbath day. We no longer Sabbath. 
right? We treat Sunday as if it's another day to do what needs to be done, to accomplish what needs to be accomplished, when in reality, God knew what he was doing when he set the rhythm of Sabbath. Another reason that Sabbatarians would say we still need to honor the Sabbath formally is that it's part of the creation ordinance, right? The seven days and on the seventh day, God rested. It gives a pattern for us. It's included in the Ten Commandments, and it's still binding upon us. And so I would say regardless of what your particular practice of the Sabbath is or of your um, understanding, that you give it more thought than you probably have. I need to give it more thought than I have, right? And I've been to seminary and, and, and had classes on all this stuff because there is something ordained about the rhythm of six days of work and one day of rest. And we have to be thinking principally that we don't may not observe it like the Jews did, and we may not observe it like the Reformers, the Presbyterians say here in the Westminster Confession of Faith, but do you observe it at all? Is it even a category? Are you even asking the question, might some of our burdensomeness and tiresomeness be uh, remedied by the fact that we completely unplug ourselves from work and technology and we commit ourselves to worship, to fellowship, to family, to friends, to the reading of God's word and being together. I believe that is a biblical principle that is very commendable to all of us. Okay, that's for today. Tomorrow, let's move down the course a little bit and try to talk a little bit more um, about the other part of this section, food and drink. And, and as you can imagine, there's plenty to say here. We're going to try to get there tomorrow. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this time. We want to honor you. And Lord, we do want to ultimately find our rest in you. So on one hand, we know Jesus is our Sabbath rest, but we also know that one of the ways that you love us and care for us and provide for us is by giving us the ability to set aside time to rest from our labors and to rest in you. And so, Lord, give us the grace to know how to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody.